It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to apologize uh, in advance, not only for getting a show out, the first show of the week out so late on a Tuesday afternoon, um, but I've wrestled with what to do here on this show with everything that's going on in our country, and um, I didn't know what to say or if I should even say anything at all. Uh, I'm a... I'm a white man in America. I haven't had to deal with some of the things that are being protested. I I don't deal with racism on a daily basis. I don't fear for my life when I walk outside. I come from a place of comfort. Uh, So I didn't know how to approach the show today or for the rest of the week. I'm still not sure how I'm going to do it. We have mailbag questions that are basketball related. I didn't know if I should talk basketball or sports or whatever. I didn't know if you wanted to hear it. And I don't know what you want to hear. So I'm just I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about. I I'm going to I'm going to give you whatever I can give you. I'll I'll talk about sports on this show and later in this week. This is Locked on Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News, but today it's just sports seem insignificant, but I understand that it is my job. I get paid to provide that. And maybe you are tuning in today for that escape. And I'll try to provide that. I will try to bring the lightheartedness and that stuff to you. But I also just, I, I, this isn't a large platform. It is a platform nonetheless. And, um, I don't know if I should say anything, but I feel like I ought to, I feel like I have something I want to say. Uh, today is blackout Tuesday. I'm recording this right around noon, and like everybody, I posted the image of the blacked out image on Instagram, on Facebook, um, to show that sort of solidarity. But it's not enough. And I, I, I fear, and maybe it's because I'm cynical, I certainly, I am cynical. I, I just, I worry that we're going to post and forget. I worry that it is too easy in today's social media atmosphere to say that you did something by simply tweeting about it or sharing an article or posting a blackout image um, to rage reply to somebody to get into arguments. It feels productive. And these are always the problems with social media, right? Like it feels like you're doing something productive, but you're not. And oftentimes you're in your own little bubble anyway. So you're not really spreading the message the way you think you are. Everybody can see it. Not everybody sees it. And I, the problem with this stuff within the last, I don't know, almost decade, whatever killings on the streets, whatever racism happens, it feels like we post and we forget. 
that we think we do something and then we move on to the next thing. We are outraged now and we're outraged at something else later. And so on Blackout Tuesday, look, I did, I posted the thing. I think it's important to post the thing. Okay, post, posting, protesting, all of it matters. It, it, it creates a wave. It's like voting. Like every individual vote doesn't really count, but when everybody does it together, it creates something. There is a movement. There is a feeling. There is a tide. And you need that stuff to affect change. I get it. But it's not enough. And I think people my age, I'm 29, and I think people my age, millennials my age, think that that's enough. That They think that, okay, I posted, I donated. It's not enough. I don't know what is enough. I don't know really what the answer is. But if that is all we do, I fear that the message is again starting to get lost. If all we do is post videos of this violence and things like that, if, if you just say, if you hashtag Black Lives Matter, all these things, it's not enough. And the message, I think, is starting to get lost again when I look at these posts, when I watch the news, when I look at, you know, certain people, what, what Donald Trump is talking about and, and, and people who align with his values and beliefs. It's the same thing like they did with Kaepernick. The message is getting lost. They're politicizing the police department instead of doing something to stop targeted police brutality. And so it's important to keep talking about it and to keep posting and to keep doing things that us millennials do. But there will be noise around it. People will be missing the point and trying to distract from the point. Again, posting and protesting matters. That's what we as millennials do. We did it in 2010 with the Wall Street protests. We post all the frickin' time about stuff that matters to us. We are more open about stuff that matters to us on social media than anybody else has ever been. Uh, on social media, on the internet, with just in general, we are an open generation. And I think there's strength in that. But there's also the facade of actual productivity. Of real change that matters. Of doing something. It's not enough to get on Facebook and get on Twitter and put up a thread about how you feel in this situation or what you think we ought to do or your experience or trying to relate or this book that you read or this article that you read that you want to share. It's good. It's not enough. It stops short. That's what I'm saying. It stops short. Even donating. It's fine. It's a Band-Aid solution, though. If you donate to the bail efforts to help get protesters out of jail, great, do that. The protests aren't going to last forever. If you read the latest Tanasi Coates or, po or poetry from Maya Angelou, great, learn, get perspective, fine. But you're doing that in your room, in the privacy of your home, and it helps you, and it helps you gain perspective, but it doesn't mean anything unless you take action. All of it is helpful, but it's not enough. So simply put, we need to be more aware. We need to st stay consistent with our messaging and not let it get distracted and warped. But more importantly, it can't stop when the next thing happens. I fear that when sports come back, we will stop worrying about this. I think part of the reason why this movement has been so strong and why it feels 
so profoundly different is because there's nothing else to pay attention to. I didn't think anything would distract nationally from the coronavirus. This has. The killing, the murder of George Floyd, and the protests that have ensued has distracted us from the coronavirus. That is strong. There is strength in that and there's hope in that. But it doesn't mean anything unless we do something about it. And what you could do simply, in addition to all these things that you're doing in the short term, what you could do simply is make sure you vote in November because of all the strengths that our generation has, as the millennial generation has. One of our biggest weaknesses has not been turning out to vote. In November, turn out to vote. Post, protest, do what you have to do, but don't forget. And in November, make sure you do something about it with long-term effects. Now, I'm sorry if that came off as preachy or self-righteous or just downright unearned from uh, a podcast host who you, doesn't typically talk politics, who you expect to talk about the Warriors. I'm sorry, but I, that's what I had to say. And now I, I, I will get back into sports. I'll awkwardly transition now <laughs> into uh, an ad read. And then we'll get into some mailbag questions. I'll get into as many as possible. I have a feeling we got a lot of them here that this is going to maybe span a couple of different episodes to cover all the questions that I got. Um, but if you are sheltered in place, maybe you're in a place with a curfew because of the protests. Maybe there's just so much traffic that you can't go out to get snacks to eat, to get a lunch, to get your dinner. Uh, I want to tell you about Built Bar because there's not a lot of options for healthy snacks probably around your house, but Built Bar could be one of those. It's the best tasting protein bar I've ever had uh, that's good for you. With 16 amazing flavors, Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of its competitors. With delicious flavors like mint brownie, raspberry chocolate cream, and toffee almond, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women everywhere. These bars are low-calorie, low in sugar, while also being high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for any low-carb diet, any ketogenic diet that you might be on. Personally, I go between keto and low-carb diets all the time, and no matter what my healthy eating pattern is, Built Bar is perfect for me. One of my personal favorite flavors, peanut butter brownie, is packed with 20 grams of protein with just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and just 3 net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and get $10 off of your first order if you want to just get a box of healthy snacks that will help you get through these days. Again, promo code locked on, one word, locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We have a bunch of mailbag questions now to get to. I'll get through as many as I can on today's episode. Maybe save a few more for an episode later in the week. This first one comes from Rudy, who writes in, With more young NBA players using their platform to affect change in American politics which will follow in the footsteps of Bill Bradley and Kevin Johnson and enter into politics? I think that's a really interesting question right now, um, not only because of everything that's happening politically in our country, but also because of um, the way the NBA is booming right now. Politics don't typically pay as much money as you know going into a broadcast career, 
uh, or doing something other than that when you're done with your NBA playing career. But young NBA players who enter the league and enter adulthood in the age of Trump and this political upheaval, and by the way, I don't I don't mean to put it all on the feet of Trump. I mean, this is a nation divided right now. It's, it's very bipartisan. Um, everything is seemingly politicized, and NBA players are learning from their idols like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony to speak out on politics, to speak their minds on what they believe and their values. And so that it's, it is seemingly now part of the culture. If you're an NBA player, it is just, it, it's not only acceptable, it's almost expected. And they're going to have, I think, a lot of practice in doing that throughout their careers. And so because of that, and because the salaries are such that they might not have to worry for money, and NBA players are getting smarter and smarter with their money. You hear fewer stories about guys being bankrupt when they're done with the NBA, right? You used to hear that all the time. It's not it, it still happens. It's just it's not nearly at the rate it used to be. And so if you are an NBA player who spent a lot of your career um, speaking out on politics, you might develop a passion for it such that when you're done with your career, you want to enter politics. So I don't look, I, have, I don't want to start guessing about which young NBA player will end up being a politician, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Uh, but I, I would bet it would happen. Gary writes in, what is your guess on what will be the closing lineup next year? Uh, great question, and I think that's a big priority right now for the Warriors going into this offseason. Now, obviously, you're going to have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, probably Draymond Green at center. So if we assume, and Steve Kerr has told me, he, wants to, he, he foresees using Draymond at center a lot more next season. You didn't see it a lot this last season because you want to manage Draymond's miles um, in what was ultimately the last year. Uh, next year, I think you're going to see a lot more minutes with Draymond at center, like you did during the dynasty. Uh, and so they're going to need someone then to fill that Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston role. I think you could play Andrew Wiggins at the four. Um, you could still play him at the three, and maybe you get another forward to play the four that comes off the bench. Uh, maybe a Rudy Gay type, somebody like that, who could fit into that uh, versatile four spot. Um, it could be a rookie. Or a player like Rudy Gay uh, that you're going to acquire with the traded player exception. My bet is that they use both of those routes to address that position. If they end up with a number one pick, you get Anthony Edwards. He could play alongside Steph Clay. It could be Edwards and then Wiggins at the four, Draymond at the five. He could do that. Could be it's just a little bit small. It's not the size that it was when Kevin Durant was there, Andre Iguodala was there. Uh, but it would work, I think. And the league is, by the way, trending smaller, so that sh- that you it would be okay. Um, or maybe it's a, a Denny Avisa or or even like a Tyrese Halliburton who is a larger guard who could slide in there as well. Um, you're gonna want lengthy. You're gonna want a lengthy wing who can do something with the ball in his hands and be pretty versatile defensively. That's what they're gonna draft. That's my sense. And then with the traded player exception worth 17.2 million dollars, that's a lot of room to acquire a player who also fills that role. You can get both of them. Maybe the the veteran that you acquire with a TPE fills that spot initially, and then eventually the rookie works his way into that spot. But there's no doubt in my mind that the Warriors are going to be addressing that, that they are thinking about what their closing lineup is going to be next season. Um, Because I think you can trust Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I I think you have no choice but to trust Andrew Wiggins, given that you traded for him and what you're paying him. I don't know that you trust Marquise Chris just yet in that spot. Maybe Kevon Looney gets healthy, and and you play a center in your closing lineup. That's definitely a possibility. 
But I know that this team wants to go small. They want to lean back into the death lineup. They have a formula that they know works and that they are committed to reshaping. And for that reason, they're going to need a couple of versatile wings this offseason at least. Juan writes in, Which players do you think from the Warriors roster they'll keep from those who have played this season, including those who have had 10-day contracts? Now, beyond the obvious, and I'm going to throw Marquise Chris into the obvious, uh, I, I think that there's one or two spots on the roster that several players at the end of this roster are going to be competing with, possibly some minimum uh, free agents that they're going to sign to invite to training camp. And depending on what they do with their two second-round picks, um, if they end up using those picks on a player who's going to play immediately or, or at least enter the NBA immediately, uh, those players can also be competing. Again, one or two spots on this 15-man roster. And of the incumbent players... Kai Bowman, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Michael Mulder are going to be competing for those one or two spots. I have no idea who it goes to. If it's between those three, my guess would be Bowman and Mulder. Um, I, I think Kai Bowman specifically entered an, the, the, the NBA season was postponed at a really abrupt and interesting time for Bowman because he wasn't playing well after coming back from his G League stint. He started to put a couple of good games together toward the end there. Probably not enough to warrant uh, a guaranteed spot on next year's roster, which in November, December, January, you would have thought definitely that this guy was going to be on the roster next year and probably had the inside track at being the backup point guard. And I think Jordan Poole's emergence changed things a little bit. Bowman wasn't playing as well when he got back from Santa Cruz. And so he's going to need, you know, whatever training camp and whatever uh, beginning of the season possibly you know, preseason type thing that they have next year to probably earn that roster spot. So again, one or two spots, it's going to be between Bowman, Toscano, Anderson, Mulder, and then any other free agents that they sign. Um, I'm earmarking, you know, a spot for their first round pick and their TPE and probably the MLE. So once you get beyond all those things, you probably have one or two spots left uh, for a lot of guys. And that's, I don't think Dragon Bender is going to be involved in that. Um, the guy like Chason Randall, I, I don't see him being in the mix. Uh, so it's probably going to be between those three guys. Before we move on to our final mailbag question, let me tell you about Blinkist. It's one of the ultimate life hacks that I've found. It's hard to find time and sit down and read and learn more. And when you don't have the free time, you can't read or work on personal development. I know my time a lot spent reading now is is spent on news articles uh, about the protests, about coronavirus, about trying to make sure that I can stay safe and healthy. So a lot of that time that I thought I was going to earmark for learning and book reading at the beginning of this shutdown has gone that way. So I haven't read as much as I want to. That's why I'm using Blinkist. It's really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. They take the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Use it now during the pandemic when you might be too busy doing other things. And then have that membership and then use it when we're out of this shutdown, when you're on your morning commute, on your lunch break, when you're working out at the gym again. uh, It's worth signing up for now. You could do that. You can get an unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books that you want, all for one low price. For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA and try it for free for seven days and save 25% off of a new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Trend Micro. 
At CDW, we get that patch-together security can leave gaps in protection. I patch things together all the time, like this broken desk chair. Some duct tape, good as new. Orchestrated by CDW, Trend Micro Cloud One provides unified protection and better visibility across cloud services. It's all-in-one cloud security that can hold its own. Okay. Want to buy some gently used office furniture? No, thanks. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash trendmicro. Uh, touched on it a little bit just now, but Callie WG writes in, how do you see the Warriors addressing the backup point guard spot? Status quo with Poole and Bowman? Do they use the TPE on a guy like Rubio? Do they draft Halliburton for the future? Taking a chance on a young guy with upside like Frank Jackson. All of these are definitely options. I, I think there aren't many players with the TPE that at that point guard spot that are worth spending that money on and allocating that resource to. The problem with backup point guards is that oftentimes their offense isn't enough to make up for their shortcoming their shortcomings on defense. Now you got a star like Steph Curry, he is so good offensively that whatever shortcomings he has on defense they're washed away by how amazing he is on, on offense, right? That isn't the case for most backup point guards. Most backup point guards can handle the ball. They can run some pick and roll. They can facilitate some offense, but they're not going to put up 20 points a game. And so they'll give up so many more points on defense. I, you look at the best point, backup point guards, and you look at a guy like Lou Williams. He is so efficient and so good and dangerous on offense that it's okay. You, you live with the shortcomings on defense. A lot of backup point guards don't have that. So you see a lot of teams more and more going to sort of, you have your starting point guard who is, you know, all-star caliber or, you know, at least offensively can make up for those things on defense. But then that backup point guard role is handled by committee. Sean Livingston was nominally the backup point guard over the last few years, but Iguodala handled backup point guard stuff. Draymond Green ran offense uh, when Curry was on the bench. I mean, they had a lot, obviously Kevin Durant. You had a lot of guys who could run the offense when, when Curry was on the bench. Now, if you're the Warriors, you got a guy like Andrew Wiggins who could do a little bit of that. You, I think you'll like what you've seen from Jordan Poole, but you don't want to trust him in big moments if you're going to get back to being you know, a competitive playoff team. Eric Paschal, same thing, has shown some progress toward the end of the year, but has a long ways to go in his development on that end. So if you do get a backup point guard, I, well, first of all, I don't see them going the traditional backup point guard route. So a guy like Frank Jackson just doesn't make sense. But if you look at a guy like Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State, who can do stuff defensively, he's six foot five, six foot six, long, rangy, can do a lot of different things. He's versatile. You can afford to bring him in as your backup point guard. Um, you could argue that if you draft a Lamelo Ball, who I'm not as high on, but if you argue, you could argue that he's such a genius level playmaker that he would overcome those shortcomings on defense that he has. Now, I'd rather just go with Halliburton because he's a more proven shooter, he's better defensively, and he's just as genius level as a passer as Lamella Ball. Not as flashy, but just as genius. And I actually like Ricky Rubio for the TPE because unlike a lot, one of the most uh, uh, uncommon traits among point guards in the league are point guards who can defend other point guards. Rubio can do that. He's a great defender when engaged. And you bring him in the Warriors, he would, have left, he would have less responsibility, which would only increase his output defensively. Uh, I think, you know, there's some shooting concerns, but he does all the things that guys like Livingston and Iguodala did as far as being a, a high-level passer, genius-level passer, 
uh, high basketball IQ, versatile defensively. I think if you can use the TPE on Rubio, it would be a slam dunk. No doubt about it. That, to me, would make a lot of sense. And I think you could play him next to Steph and Clay and, and Wiggins and, and Draymond Green. So I, I like the Rubio idea. I think they're going to explore a lot of uh, routes with that traded player exception. Maybe try to find a guy that provides a little bit more offense. Um, it depends on what you do with the draft pick. But I, I don't see them going and, and acquiring a traditional backup point guard just to waste a roster spot. I'll save the rest of these mailbag questions for another episode. Thanks again for listening to my ranting and rambling at the opening of this episode. And remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you have some time, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe. Hey, Bay Area sports fans, this is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.